Bienvenidos and welcome to episode 44 of the Jacobin Sports Show. I am Matthew Miranda, joined as always by American Gigolo Jonah Birch. Jonah, <laughs> was it weird for you to watch a Super Bowl with no Tom Brady, no Bill Belichick, no Rob Gronkowski? Was it hard for I, you? No, it wasn't hard. But let me say this. You know, people always talk about how, you know, the Patriots made everything boring. They, it was so boring. No one wanted to see the Patriots anymore. That was the most boring close game I have ever seen in my life. It would have been so much more exciting if it was Tom Brady coming down at the end instead of, uh, you know, uh, as my students call him, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr. Uh, it would have been, yeah, they love that. They love that. Look, the, the Zoomers love this guy. I, I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know whether it's the ice or the, you know, around his neck or the fact that he tweeted about capitalism once or what it is, but they they love him and they love the nicknames. Joey Franchise, you know, Joey yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it would have been better if it was the Patriots with Tom Brady or any team with Tom Brady. We all know that's true. Now that he's gone, if he is gone, you're going to miss him. That's what last night proved to me. What a boring game. It was a very strange, close Super Bowl. Um, it was, it sucked. For reasons you know? that I want to get it. Yeah, I want to get into that today because I think there are, I know certainly for me, reasons why I really did not feel the usual drama that you might feel um, in the last two minutes of a close Super Bowl. We're going to cover today the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about today's out with the old and in with the new. Super Bowl's done. We're getting through that. NBA trade, line is, trade deadline came and went. Many interesting moves were made. We're going to talk about that. And then we will foreshadow what the next few episodes might look like. And that will be that for today. So let's get right to the Super Bowl. Let's get to the point that you're making, Jonah. The Rams won, you know, in in dramatic fashion. They converted a fourth down on the last drive. There were penalties. There were, you know, big plays in the game, big names, big stars. And yet I... Felt not what I, I felt like you did. I felt like I don't care. And for myself, I think one reason why is that I think it's the Rams. I think there's three reasons why I could not care less about the Rams winning. One is there's nothing special about the Rams right now. They don't play in like a classic stadium. They don't even have the narrative history that they might if they had stayed because they have moved around so much back and forth. I don't care. This isn't Green Bay pulling it off or or the Steelers or somebody. I don't care about the Rams. And, you know, the NFL took a team out of St. Louis where they were loved because they wanted to build the big, the most expensive stadium and have an L.A. market, and they got it. But it felt very, like, plastic and, and sterile to me. Can we just say, though, you know, St. Louis crying foul on this. They stole the team to begin with from, from L.A., they also tried to steal a bunch of other teams. It, but you weren't know, they in St. Louis before they went to LA in the first place? God, I can't keep. I, is it is that true? I should look that up. Um, no. They started as the Cleveland Rams in the 1930s, but okay. from 1946 to 1994, played in LA. I guess. Oh wow! Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. Then you know what? St. Louis, piss off. Um, yes. You know, don't even give me the shit. You're just stealing teams left and right. 
you know... Listen to the Milwaukee coming out and you when St. Louis is the subject. Next you're going to be harping on how much you hate Chicago. <laughs> you know, it really does. It does give you... Uh, uh, just being here, like you feel, I feel very hostile to Cubs fans right now. I, I don't even know why. What's so funny about that is that, anyway, that's another invented rivalry. Uh, Milwaukee was in the American League until they're yes. what, you know, forever. Forever. And now it's like, oh, we hate the Cubs. They hate the Cubs here. And, but I kind of get it. I kind of get it, you know? Yeah. I hate Back it. to the Super Bowl. I get it, too. Yeah. Um. Reason number two why this win really didn't do anything for me, despite the fact that it seems like a nice story. Like, hey, the Rams won, Matthew Stafford. But another reason, and we had John Schneider on last week from um, the Undrafted Substack and Lefty Specialist Pod, and he was talking about you know Tom Brady as a socialist icon. I find the Rams, I don't care about this in other sports at all. There's something weird to me about a football team loading up on like individual stars at certain positions that made it for me it rooting for the Rams to me felt like rooting for like manifest destiny. Like I can't root for that shit. Like I see it happening. I see it happening. I see what's coming. I understand. Maybe I even accept it, but like I don't have to like it. Um I have no problem with their stars on an individual basis. I have no problem with Stafford. Beckham was a giant. Cooper Cup seems like a a prodigious dude. Aaron, uh, the, the they got Jalen Ramsey and um, and Aaron um, Donald. Um, yeah, Aaron Donald. Like all wonderful. And I have no beef with any of these people, but I didn't enjoy rooting for any of that. Um, I didn't care. Yeah, what's reason number three? So this this I know it's supposed to be charming, but this outpouring of support for Matthew Stafford. Like, oh my God, thank God for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was. And I know shit is relative, but like Matthew Stafford was a millionaire many, many, many. Like they didn't find this isn't John Starks or Kurt Warner coming from a grocery store, like to take over, you know. Like Matthew Stafford's life is fine. He's he's No, no, no. Okay. See, I was with you up until this point. Good. All right. He came from the Detroit Lions, which is way worse than any grocery store. No, no, no. That's a tragic life right there. You know, I I if yeah. you're a Lions fan, fine. I I respect the Lions fans being like, you know, vicariously having some success through Matthew Stafford. But this national story of like, oh, Matthew, people doubted Matthew Stafford. They always say that. Matthew Stafford was like, people doubted. Even Tom Brady, there's a bit of nonsense to that. He was recruited to Michigan. He was drafted. Like, I know no one thought he would be what he was, but like, he wasn't some ingenue that came out of nowhere. And certainly Matthew Stafford has been pretty highly regarded his entire career going from he has been. high school he has to the pro. Like, I'm glad he won. I, I, I'm happy he won. I am glad that he's out of Detroit for his mental sake and his career. But, like, that doesn't make me give a crap if he wins or not. Let me say this. All of the things you say, I mean, I get it. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about the super team thing. I was sad that Odell Beckham got hurt. I, I always like Odell. Cool. And I, I appreciate that he got out of Cleveland and became a superstar again. You know, I'm into that. The The whole being in L.A. thing, I think the Rams are meant to be in L.A. I don't think they have any real fans. You know, that's not true. They have some. They have a tiny actual fan base. It does feel a little forced. 
you know, they, you, you, I, I can't respect the like relationship between that team and that city that much. But I would be willing to forgive all of that if the game didn't suck. But it sucked. They played shitty football yesterday. Both teams were playing shitty football. The most exciting thing was trying to figure out how many calls the refs were going to blow. How many egregious game-altering calls the refs were going to mess up. The failure to call the the um, face mask, uh, you know, that, I mean, what happened to Jalen Ramsey, who got mugged on that play, I, 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 that is unforgivable. It's the Super Bowl, and you 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 can't get that right. That's unforgivable. It was the, the the all of the most exciting plays involved either blown calls or controversial calls. Most of the game was just kind of shitty football, and I was just bored. And no, the stupid halftime show does not make up for it. It's fine that people love the halftime show. It's like whatever, fifteen minutes long, or not even, you know. And uh, great, we all get to feel old and and pretend to relive the glory days of our youth listening to songs we've heard a million times. I want a good football game. And this was not a good football game. And that, that I do not forgive as the Godfather said, you know, <laughs> Hey, good reference. Um, yeah, thanks. We'll get to the halftime show. Cause I have plenty more to say about that. Also, there was a call late in the Rams last drive. Um, when they were very close to the end zone, I think it was a third down. It was a third down, yes. And the hold, the defensive hold. On Wilson, yeah, yeah, yep. What a nonsense call that was. It was not a good call. And especially, and Collinsworth pointed it out. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to ref the whole game tight, fine. Yep. Then in that spot, that's a penalty. But yeah. if you're going to call, like, no penalties all day, you can't call that one there. I could see how seeing that play in real time, it looked like a penalty, even though I don't actually think it was. Yeah. Right. I mean, it looked like he was really holding him, right? And that disrupted the before the before the ball was thrown. That really disrupted the play. I don't actually think it was a penalty. That was a championship altering call. You know, yeah. potentially. If you are a, a you know a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, you can't complain because you got gifted a touchdown on. One of the most egregious missed calls, you know, in Super Bowl history. So I, you know, you can't complain. But uh, yeah, and ever since the missed offensive holding on the Giants, at the you know in the in the 2007 Super Bowl, this might be besides that at the end of the game on the helmet catch. This might be the second worst missed call in Super Bowl history. So you can't complain about that, you know, in my opinion. If you had played a better game, you would have won. If Joe Burrow had had played better at the end of the game, and maybe he was hurt, you you absolutely had a chance to tie that game, and you fucked it up, right? So no complaints, nothing to be said there about that, in my opinion. I will say that I think um, what I heard a lot of people say before the game was the big problem for the Bengals was that their offensive line couldn't. I mean, all season yep. it was their Achilles heel, and it really was against the Ram pass rush. Yeah. Um, as far as the Bengals go, and I was kind of rooting for them because it's the Bengals. Like, you know, it's like rooting for Mike Gravel for president. Like, you know, it's not going to happen, but it'd be pretty cool if it did. But I'm going to hey. give a couple a couple Bengal points too that I noticed. 
I, I really felt, I know a few people who live in that area of Ohio and they've been so excited and I felt for them because the two things that killed the Bengals yesterday remind me of the last two things that went wrong when the Bengals actually have been good. One, um, if you remember the Marvin Lewis years, they never really went anywhere, but like they went yeah. from always a losing team to like they would make the playoffs and then lose in the first round. Those teams had a lot of um, receiving talent. Is that yeah? yeah. I was going to say low emotional IQ, but also receiving talent. I, oh, I see. I see. In the sense that, yeah. like, you could you could get to them, you could rile them up. And the Bengals yesterday played an extremely clean game, except every time they did commit a penalty, it was like a personal foul. And and this is always you really. Me, you were like, where is Vontez perfect when you need him, right? I mean... Anybody, Pac-Man yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah, mean, if you're going to sure. commit a personal foul, make it last. There, <laughs> but it was always in big spots, always in big spots. And it was also sad to me because, and I, I, I hate this, I hate in football how if there's two penalties on the same play, regardless of what the penalties are, if they're on the opposing teams, it cancels out. If one team makes a false start, and the yep. other team makes a personal foul. So yeah, yeah, taking someone's head off. Yeah, that should yep. count. That should count. So yep. late in the which, game, which happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like that. And also the other thing that killed. I I tried to imagine being a Bengals fan. So you're watching the Super Bowl. Your team is in it. They're leading until a little over a minute left, maybe right around a minute, and then they fall behind to a California team and they end up losing. And the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl in 1988, Super Bowl 23, they were leading late. Uh, they fell behind with a little over, I think, a minute left to a team from California, the famous Joe Montana, John Candy Super Bowl. Um, yep. I just, I love those parallels. Not if I was a Bengal fan, I wouldn't love them, but just interesting to see like how far they came and yet how they seemed to be felled by the same shit that stripped them up in the past. Can I just say that uh, the so obviously the Bengals offensive line messed them up. I, I'm you know I, they still had a chance to win at the end, obviously, and you yeah there were some play calling issues and some Joe Joe Burrow mistakes that really screwed them. People who say that they should not have taken Jamar Chase and instead should have taken Penny Sewell or mm -hmm. in the draft last year should just shut the hell up. Just shut the hell up. They have the best receiver quarterback tandem in football. Mm -hmm. Just that uh, they obviously the problems run deeper than that. You cannot tell me that that was a mistake. I don't buy that for a second. Right. I mean, that's it's the best thing about that team. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you're saying, much like the Marvin Lewis teams, they're really exciting playmakers. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the strongest part of that. You know of, of of that franchise of that team. By the way, do you would you say Cincinnati is culturally the South? If you had to describe it, would you say culturally, regionally? I will say, having spent a little time there, no. Um, okay. Despite its proximity to Kentucky, I would say no. Why? Why? It's not the same vibe as the as the South. It's not even the same vibe as Kentucky. Um, it's, Which is right across the river, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati-ish in that, that region in Ohio. It's not even like um, if you've been in Columbus. It's not like any of those places. Um, Columbus feels to me closer to the south, just with no accent. 
Cincinnati is not, it's not that. It's something different. Um, it's not that. I gotta, I mean, I gotta go there sometime. I, I place it and St. Louis together as uh, cities that have peaked in the peaked in the 19th century, water cities, river cities that peaked right. in the 19th century right. and really have struggled since the advent of like railroads, basically. You know, it's been all downhill since people didn't have to take boats everywhere. And they're essentially gateways, gateways to the South. That's how I think of, uh, about that. My feeling is that Cincinnati is a little better off than some of the other river or like Rust Belt cities. Well, I hope so because they're never getting back to the Super Bowl, at least not anytime soon. That's my hot take. Call it now. Yeah, come on. We all know that teams that get close but blow Super Bowls that they should have won never get back. I don't know if you've heard of the Atlantic Atlanta Falcons, but I, I, I'm just telling you, Cincinnati, and I'm sorry about this, you're, you're not getting back. You're not going back anytime soon. That was your shot. If you had won, maybe you could have gone back. If only to lose, but it's not happening now that you've lost. I'm I'm convinced of that. You heard it here first. Yeah, Poor, 2022. Bengals Poor Joe Shiesty. Bengals are tough. Joe Shiesty is the that's the best nickname possibly ever. I'm like he's an interesting Shiesty. celebrity to me. Does that mean that people think he's like? I mean, like a someone who's a shyster is like, you know, not trustworthy, right? Yeah. They're like a scammer. Yeah, I don't understand how that fits there, but I love it. He also looks like he's twelve years old. He does. Uh, he does. Someone yesterday that I was with watching the Super Bowl called him Jimmy Lightning, and in, in, I believe in uh, Jimmy Lightning. Is that the cartoon character? No, that's Jimmy in, Neutron. Jimmy Neutron. Called him yeah. Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, and I was, I was totally, I, I have, <laughs> don't know who that is, but I was. Jimmy Neutron, boy genius, is the official title. So. I don't know. I don't know if that fits there, but you know, <laughs> maybe, um, maybe I'm just being an asshole. Nah, no, I don't believe that. So, um, which of the two, the Wonderkin coaches? So, has this made Sean McVay's career? And if he quits to spend more time with his family, which only to come back and and yeah, he's not going to right. Uh, I mean, you he's know? in a great position because he's in LA. Um, he's had the success that this will guarantee him three more years at least. Yeah. He won't even be 40 at that point. Like he's in, he's in a position to do whatever he wants to. I don't know what all this talk is about him going to a network after this win. Like, I don't see that at all. That doesn't seem like a bad life to me, but I'm not an insane football coach. So the only thing I could say to that is that, you know, there was someone in his position about a half century ago, who was the youngest Super Bowl winning coach, highly successful California team. Nobody thought, you know, John Madden would leave. Yep. Sure. He went to the booth and he never came back. And I I think that worked for Madden. I think that just, because I know I I learned more this year about how, for as jovial and jocular as he was as a personality, he was extremely stressed as a coach um, and stopped as a very young man. So, you know, McVay, he has, um, I think they're engaged. He has a fiance. He's but wasn't about- the Madden thing all about that he, he couldn't fly? He hated to fly or something? That was part or- of it. That was part of it. He was stressed anyway. And then I think that was one of the elements that kind of pushed him to that decision. Um, McVay doesn't seem to have that issue. But I don't see him. 
I don't see why he would stop. It's not like Stafford is, you know, 39. Why is he going to stop now? You know? Yeah. And even, even when it ends with the Rams, that guy can write his own check to go anywhere he wants to. Sure. I think he'll be coaching a little while. Yeah. Speaking of what to make of something, there was the halftime show. Oh, uh, yeah. The halftime show, yeah. which featured, let's see if I can remember, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar all performed. I have some thoughts about the halftime show. Okay, so, I want to hear. I want to hear. So, <laughs> artistically, I have no problem with it. I'm not, you know, I, I wasn't like, oh, my God, it's my youth. Like, I was, I, I live in an age. There's, there's Spotify. There's box sets. Like, there's been so much of a chance to celebrate my youth that, like, I was not. Apparently, a lot of people who have been in a coma since, like, 2005 just woke up and were very excited to see themselves represented in the Super Bowl. I didn't really care about that. What I found perfectly quintessential about that moment and that show, and I didn't notice it at first, but I heard, I thought about it afterwards and was like, oh, God. So this is the perfect representation of where American sports and culture and finance is at this point in time. There is a Super Bowl, which is the most overhyped, over-expenditured event, besides the Olympics, maybe. Certainly the most expensive annual event in the world. And it was held at the most expensive stadium, I think, ever built in this global metropolis of Los Angeles. And tickets are going Saturday before the Super Bowl on StubHub. The average price for tickets was $6,700 each. So all you have all that in place, and then these people are pitching as prime entertainment rappers that were around when I was in eighth grade. Spoiler. Okay. I am not in eighth grade anymore. I have a nine-year-old, um, but they're pushing that. They're pushing Emotionally, it. I'm still in eighth grade. Half the arena is sitting in a spot where they can't see what's happening. They're they're blind to it. They paid God knows how much money to watch on the Jumbotron what I was able to see at home for free. And I actually saw it better probably than they did. I have no, you know, I'm not going to pull a Sean Spicer and like question the the integrity or the nature of the entertainment. Mary J. Blige, much respect. She was still putting on quite a show. Can Uh, I just say, I loved Mary J. Blige in the 90s. Right, yeah. I wanted Method Man to come out. And do they? I wanted them to do all I need. You know, mm-hmm. I love Mary J. Blige. I feel she like a lot it. of people. She she, she's great. She she's still great. She's from the Bronx. Did she grow up in? Grew up in Yonkers or something. Um, I people loved this halftime show. Loved it so much. I feel like all the reviews were positive. I had lots of people who are not into football tell me they only watched the Super Bowl for the halftime show. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, it's like a, a mini, it's a baby concert. It's very short. Yeah. There's, it's dwarfed by the very long game around it. It's dwarfed by the I don't understand. Breaks. Yes, totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, if we had to, if we had to criticize, and uh, I, you know, I do, I feel like, 50 Cent did not come out looking the best out of out of this performance. You know, either in any way, that that did not work. 
I'm I'm happy that Dr. Dre survived the whole show. I like I was worried. He's so old. Uh yeah. I, and I think okay, this is going to I think Eminem looks really funny these days. Am I wrong? Maybe it's just like his just for man uh, men hair hair coloring that he's clearly using. Like but I it's just a, it's too strange and he's doing the same song since 2001. I don't know. Whereas I feel like Snoop Dogg, just in great shape. He looks good. He seems happy. That dude has uh, put on a pound in my entire it, lifetime. It's just unbelievable. Like uh-huh. all that weed he supposedly smoked. He never I got have, the munchies. I have it can accelerate your metabolism, and he is Exhibit A for that it's shit. Incredible. Yeah. And then I, I you know, I kind of like Kendrick Lamar, but you're just, and I get it. He's from L.A. I, I guess he's a Dr. Dre guy. Is that right? Uh, the whole thing was LA, except for Mary J. Blige, who's from New York. I don't. Who was born in, as you said, Fordham Hospital in the Bronx. There you go. There you go. Kendrick Lamar uh, looks like he is from Compton. Grew up idolizing Tupac and Dr. Dre. Oh, he saw. He watched the filming of the music video for California Love. I remember yeah. when that video came out. I was yes. forty-two years old. No, I'm just kidding. I was twelve. <laughs> but uh, you know. uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just found the whole night kind of boring and uh, it did not, the halftime show didn't make up for it for for me. So I'm going to, I'll confess to you that um, I had my nieces over and in the first half, I was making a number of appetizers while we watched the Puppy Bowl. um, Because that was actually. What is the Puppy Bowl? The Puppy Bowl airs on Animal Planet. Every year during the Super Bowl. And it's basically, it's supposed to be a venue to like help push animal adoption. But there's literally, they make a little football field. And they put all these like uh, pups that are available for adoption on the field. And it's announced by like ESPN people, Steve Levy and um, Taylor Rooks, I think, this year. And um, that's that's big for Steve Levy. I got to say, you know. Steve Levy doesn't get out of bed for less than 10 grand. And he's doing the puppy bowl with Taylor Rooks. And it's just these dogs that run around and they play with each other and they're just, but like if a dog picks up a toy and runs, it's on a little football field. So if the dog picks up a toy and runs across the end zone, like that team gets points. Got it. My, my daughter loves it because there's just all these cute dogs. But I, I'm like, I planned to watch some of the game so we could talk about it today. I did not, if it had been, I thought it was going to be Chiefs and maybe 49ers or Chiefs and Rams. Different matchups I would have watched probably more of the game. I did not feel like I was missing anything, missing Bengals. You, you didn't miss anything. And then I put it on at halftime, and the first play of the second half is the the Chase 75-yard touchdown when he pulls Ramsey's mask. And that was a great, exciting play. And I, I didn't watch most of the third quarter. I basically – I did what my dad used to do. Like, he would come in the fourth and turn it on, and okay. Now let's see what happens. But I – it was an oddly given. It was everything. T Higgins, not Chase, right? It was wasn't a T Higgins. Uh, anyway, oh, well, maybe it was. Maybe it was Higgins. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Can I can I give you a little uh, trivia? Trivia. Sure. Tri- I, you're gonna love this. Kendrick Lamar. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Okay. His cousin. He had a cousin who played in the NBA. Kind of a legendary figure, I would say. In the, it, not for his greatness, but for his swag who was Kendrick Lamar's 
former NBA cousin. He's been memed a lot. I'll tell you that. A lot of memes about this guy. Not not victory memes, missing shot memes, funny face memes. Oh, that's that's got to be Nick Young. It's Nick Young. Sorry, yeah. I gave it away. I gave it away. <laughs> I don't know if you until you said that. Sorry, Swaggy P is his cousin. I did not know that. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. That would be a fun cousin to have, I feel like. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's got to be an interesting dinner table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Lamar on one end and Nick Young on the other. Yeah. Um, speaking of interesting pairings, I'm done with the Super Bowl. If you're done, I'm going to No, no, done. let's move on. Yeah. Thank you. Good. All right. This is the happiest day of the year for me sports-wise because – it's the longest distance from the NFL happening again. And that makes me like very, very happy. I'm not going gonna... to miss football. I don't care. I'm I... yeah. You're not going to miss football. See, I definitely am. Not. Um, yeah. Now it helps that I expect my baseball team to be good. And my soccer when, team. When are they going to play baseball? Oh shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. It helps that man city is still good. Oh, Jesus. And and we'll 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 leave the you're next so, little later. You're so soulless and evil in your in your Premier League leanings. You know, it's just it's uh, you you claim to be a critic of capitalism, and then you root against Liverpool and for Man City. Uh, I can't even. I can't even. Anyway, continue. I say that with deep love and and affection. You know that. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> you're evil, but, but I love you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So NBA trade deadline came and went. After our last broadcast, we had talked about some of the possible deals that were being rumored. And, of course, the big one that did end up going through was the uh, Brooklyn Nets sending Ben Simmons and Paul Millsap to Philadelphia in exchange for James Harden, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two firsts. I think one this year and one in 2027. I find this to be a fascinating deal because I feel like both teams I, I I'm loving that this day I have heard this trade analyzed in literally every single way possible. I have heard net fans talk about it as a one-sided steal. I have heard Sixer fans brag about getting the better end of it. I've heard people say it's an A for both teams. I've heard people say it's an F for both teams. I'm concerned for Philadelphia in that I don't want to be the team that's paying James Harden a quarter of a billion dollars to age into his mid to late thirties. And yeah. that's where they're going to have to go to make this work. I root against Brooklyn, but my concern for them would be Brooklyn right now reminds me of, and it's perfect that this is Brooklyn. Brooklyn reminds me of a person who was kind of in a messed up relationship. They're single for a little while. They meet, they see this other person and this other person has a lot going for them, but they have one enormous character flaw that made their old partner be like, I can't even, you have to go. Like, we're not even, I can't be around you. And Brooklyn is now dating that person and acting like the character flaw just no longer matters. Like, I think he's a better fit on the Nets than he maybe he was on the Sixers. But I think this, this deal has enormous risk for both teams. Um, I don't how how many relationships up. have been busted up because your partner can't fucking shoot? You know, shoots with the wrong hand. <laughs> You're like, look, I love you. Or won't shoot. You know, just won't shoot at all. Just won't shoot. 
shoot your shot, I believe, yep. is the is the lesson here. You won't shoot it. I don't know. Uh, look, who can who can predict what's going to happen with Brooklyn? Is, is Kyrie coming back? Is the vaccine mandate going to get lifted in New York? Well, if it does, like I mean, is KD coming back? You know, and, and what's he? Yeah, I mean, supposedly he is. What? How is he going to play? No one knows how Ben Simmons is going to play. He hasn't played all year. Uh, I, I guess Joe Harris is all done. So, I mean, we'll see how Seth Curry fits into that role. You know, there's just a lot of pieces that need to be figured out there. How can anyone make a prediction? The team has lost, what, 11 games in a row or something? I love uh, it. You know, I love it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I can just feel the joy is palpable. Uh, so I, I just find it very hard to see how this all works together. And going forward, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Kyrie is going to do. I, you know, it, it's just, again, I don't know what 34-year-old Kevin, Kevin Durant is going to look like, although he is still my favorite player to watch in all of basketball. There is no one I, I get more joy from watching play basketball than Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, for all the things he can do. But I, you just don't know with them, right? So, I, you know, it is still shocking that the big three on Brooklyn only played, what, what was it, 16 games together? 16 games. Regular, regular season game. It's just, that's just incredible. Just incredible. Uh, as for Philly, yeah, I mean, their medium to long-term future, I, I, again, you don't want to bet against Joel Embiid, right? No. I mean, I I, did, I thought the guy would be retired at this point in his career. Honestly, you start off your career with two massive injuries like that. He is so dominant. He just is in. He he's, he's so, so good. good. It's really hard to to you know to say he's not. And then you know they have some young players who have some real talent, right? Yeah, to I keep Tyrese you know, Maxey and Matisse Thybul in the deal, which yep. is great. Very good. Thybul and Maxey are you know are are, are very talented players. I, <laughs> This is going to sound ridiculous. James Harden does not terrify me as a fan of an opposing team. No. He does not terrify me at 33. I, I'm sure that's wrong. I'm sure I'm, it's going His to get – His playoff you know, history supports what you're saying. Yep. He's never done well. Even as a young man, he didn't do well in the playoffs. No. And he's aging and, uh, you know – so we'll see. We'll we'll see how it looks, you know. Uh mm -hmm. How he and Joel Embiid fit together, all of that will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Is the basketball going to be that much better than Simmons and, and Embiid? I, I, that is a, I, look, Simmons and Embiid had really good numbers together. They had really good numbers together. They really did. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It's going to hurt that well. defense a lot. It's going to hurt that defense a lot. The offense, you know, is there's a lot to figure out with there's offense. Lot, now, yeah. you know, obviously James Harden is just a remarkable offensive player, right? You know, so uh, it's a very different kind of team than yeah. it, than it was with him, you know, with Ben Simmons and uh, with very different demands on it, right? So I see them investing, and I see if you've got to go the next four or five years, dependent on Embiid's health and Harden's conditioning, like, I don't, you better win this year, because that to me seems like a disaster waiting to happen. But we'll see, we'll see how it goes down. They play each other pretty soon. They play each other in a few weeks in Philadelphia. 
I will just say that I, I do think Philly is ha, is my favorite to come out of the East purely because of Embiid and how he's playing. I know people in Milwaukee will object to that, but, and, you know, and maybe if Brooke Lopez really is coming back, I, I don't know about Ibaka. I don't know about his health. I, you know, right. but, but Joel Embiid is just so good. And, you know, it's just very, it's hard to, to pick against Philly because of him. Mm-hmm. I would say this year, right? So, plus the Bucks keep kind of spinning their wheels, also. Like they're doing okay. Yeah, they're fine. They're, they're fine. fine. I mean, it's still, you know, yeah, it's the it's the regular season, right? And they are everyone here is, uh, I would say, unpanicked, non-panicked mm-hmm. is what I would say. Yeah, here in Milwaukee, I'm sure that you <laughs> you noted with some joy. That one team that was absolutely just desperate to make a move and needed to make a move had no pieces to make a move, and that would be the L.A. Lakers. Russell Westbrook is still a Laker. Taylor Horton Tucker is still a Laker. That 2027 first-round pick, that's the earliest one they can trade, is still a Laker. And now the purple and gold are a sub-500 nine-seed, I believe. and not looking good at all. You've heard a little talk coming out of there. Now, you know, the LeBron blame shifting may be beginning where the, the word that day was that LeBron and AD were disappointed that Palinka didn't do anything, um, which sounds a lot. If that's true, I don't know what they expected him to do, given that you traded whatever last movable pieces you had to get Westbrook, which was what LeBron wanted. I've never in my life been in this position. And I remember the Yankees, when the Yankees got to that point where they had Randy Johnson and Sheffield and A-Rod, there was a point where the Yankees had bought so many expensive, slightly over-the-hill veterans that they weren't worth what they were being paid and they couldn't move any of them. And they were kind of screwed. And it was beautiful to watch just collapse. And the Lakers, I feel like, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen the Lakers... This star loaded, but with no ability to do anything. They just can't do anything. Well, I, you know, to be fair to those Yankee teams in the early 2000s, they were still really good, right? I mean, they, you true, know, true, they were true. still getting deep into the playoffs. I, I saw that Stephen A. Smith said the Lakers will have to trade Anthony Davis. I disagree. I, I really think that, you know, they're, they're going to have to trade Avery Bradley. And, uh, you know, that's that's the deal that they have to be ready to make. Can I just read you some of the ages of the players on this roster? Please do. Carmelo Anthony, 37. Trevor Ariza, 36. Kent Bazemore, 32. Avery Bradley, 31. Anthony Davis, 28. Uh, Wayne Ellington, 34. Dwight Howard, 36. LeBron James, 37. DeAndre Jordan, 33. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 33. Then they have some younger players. I mean, Kendrick Nunn is 26, and obviously... Hasn't played all you know, year, though. Yep. Horton Tucker, 21. Uh, you know, they... Whatever, but... The, the Horton Tucker of, better be really good. I, well, you know how Laker fans blow up their, you know, uh-huh. their middling younger talent uh, into the, as Hall of Fame-level players. I mean, Malik Monk is 24, and, you know... He's he's good. He's he's, been, he's good. been good. You know. He's been good. Uh, the the average age of this team is like what two years older than the next closest team in basketball. 
went, they've traded all of their picks. Going, Look, they're the Lakers, so whatever. They could blow it up and people will sign there, right? I mean, they you know, people want to live in L.A. And that's what they'll bank on. But there, this is not what. What exactly is Palinka supposed to do here? I, you know, I don't know, I, honestly. Uh, and I, I almost, you know, I was going to say I feel bad for LeBron, but but I'm then not, you I'm remember not, you don't. I then I remember that I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> uh, it, it, how how could they think that these are the the players you're going to fit around? Le, Le, LeBron and, and AD and, and I get Anthony Davis is like not hit a three all year and some bad but, uh, it's just not a it's it's a, a creaky old roster um mm-hmm. you know that did not yeah that does not fit together that you know obviously uh in the way that some of these Lakers teams have in the past I I, I don't know what moves they think are out there there's no trade for West, Russell West, Westbrook that you could make I mean I guess John Wall, is that what people are saying? You could trade him for John Wall, is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you do that? Who cares, I guess? Who gives a shit? I mean, right? I would if I were the Lakers only because I think Westbrook is so obviously not helpful. Like, I don't know if Wall would be better, but I don't think he could be worse. I mean, at least there would be no expectation he was going to play, right? I mean, that's... Probably something. If he does play, just he's a better shooter than Westbrook. He's not a great shooter, but he's a better shooter than Westbrook. Like uh, they've been very curious about like refusing to put space around LeBron since he got there. But yeah, I don't. I don't think the league would be shaking if the Lakers traded Westbrook for Wall. No. Speaking of fits that don't, the Dallas Mavericks punting. On the Kristaps Porzingis experience, trading him to Washington for Spencer, the Crypto Mamba Dinwiddie, and Porzingis' fellow Latvian Davis Rattans. I heard this trade and I could not stop laughing. Why? My partner downstairs thought there was something wrong with me because I was in a room just laughing. Here's why I'm laughing. Because all the crap oh, right, the right. Knicks got when they traded for Zingas, and all I heard about Dallas ripping them off, how Cuban couldn't stop doing interviews about how stunned he was that KP was available, and you have to make a move. Like, like no one in New York had any idea that, wow, this guy gets hurt all the time. Maybe we don't want to invest in that. And Dallas comes in and says, okay. We will give him a five-year full max, no injury protections. And Bede's deal had injury protections. Yes, Porzingis, yep. none. And all I've heard about the last couple of years, great trade, KP, KP and Luca. I don't hate KP. Like, I'm not happy that he's- I got to say, you really see everything through, through blue and orange colored glasses. You lack my objectivity. You know, my ability to stand Mavericks. above. It might, be the, it might be the green, but I hate them ever. I hate them. <laughs> I hate that they constantly get credit despite not having won a playoff series since they won the title. And for you to trade away everything they gave it for Przingis, the cap flexibility, the draft yes. picks, the money they paid him, to trade him for Spencer Dinwiddie, not having a good year, 
and Davis Bertans not having a good year is the kind of thing that if the Knicks made that deal, they would be laughed out of like the association. And Dallas does it, and all I'm hearing about is like, oh, Spencer Dinwiddie could be a secondary ball handler. No, this is a concession of defeat. This is a concession of failure on the part of an organization that has done little but fail for over a decade, and I want them called out. I want a scarlet letter on Mark Cuban. Well, that's what I want. Can can I just say? I mean, part of the reason the Mavericks get credit is because in the first decade of the new millennium, they were an innovative, successful franchise. They were. You know, and I, a lot of that had to do with the Nelsons, right? Who are gone, right? It was, Don and Donnie clearly played some important role yes. there. Uh, and they're not there anymore. And just because Mark Cuban is, it, it doesn't mean it's the same group. I mean, obviously yeah. a franchise that's had lots and lots of issues. I like this trade yeah. because it's the rare intra-Baltic deal, Lithuanian for Latvian, you know? No, they're both Latvian. Wait, Porzingis is is Latvian? Yes. Oh, man. Wow, I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. It's even more intra-Baltic if they're from wow, the same country. Wow, that, that is really... That's a that's an intra lettish deal, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so shameful. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I should I should know. I feel like the last. You're not you're not the Wizards who are apparently going to build around a team that spends seventy million a year on Bradley Beal and KP. Well, so let let's also say here that Spencer Dinwiddie, who is in, uh, a likable player in a lot of ways, yes, I think I think has been yes. at times. Seems like a likable person. Yes. At the beginning of the season, when the Wizards had a brief hot streak to start. People were crediting them with his signing as if it yep. was a game changer. And mm-hmm. it turns out that all of the fears that had were raised about his, you know, the deal that they negotiated with him were valid. They were totally valid. He has not been, he has not been good for, for that team, which has not been good, right? So, I mean, it's, this is a, a, a trade of mistakes. The Bertans thing is bizarre. It's bizarre it how bad he has been. I, I don't understand. He had that one brief, hot stretch, got his big contract, and then what the fuck happened there? I mean, at least with Porzingis, you can understand, right? Injury and fit issues and ego, and it's very understandable what has gone on. The Bertans thing makes zero sense. He's just incapable. I'll give you the deal. Yeah. I'll give you the deal with Bertans and Dinwiddie. Bertans is like a much higher priced, better version of Steve Novak, who was a dead-eye three-point shooter who could literally not do anything else. <laughs> and once the league figures out that's all you can do, yeah. they're going to shut you down. Sure. In Dinwiddie's case, and this is, I think, more reflective of Washington's forever mismanagement, and this might actually end up working out for Dallas, if they keep him or if they lose Jalen Brunson and replace Brunson with Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie is in, I believe, his first year off of an ACL injury. Um, it's highly possible that he'll bounce back after this yep. over the rest of his contract. And then Washington, but to be fair, I mean, you would say, oh, Washington's traded him low. But they're not because on a certain level, you would not have thought before the season that you could trade Dinwiddie and Bertans to get KP. So 
interesting for them. You know, see how it goes. Do, you, but do we think Brunson is going back there? I only if they're able to trade Dinwiddie. And the, the thinking is that Dallas did this because it's easier. Bertans and Dinwiddie combined to make a little more next year than Porzingis did. So the thinking is like it's easier to trade them as separate, slightly smaller deals than just to move KP. If they want to keep Brunson, I don't understand. You can't. I don't think you need Hardaway and Brunson and Dinwiddie. Like that's too much of the same thing. So I would guess. I think you saw right away once they made the the trade. They re, they extended um Finney Smith. Yep. Um, they gave him a four year deal right away. I don't think they can keep Brunson because I think someone, perhaps especially the Knicks, is going to offer him more money than Dallas thinks he's worth. Yeah. 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 Now, I want to say, Jonah, I've noticed during today's episode a certain um, a sense coming off of you, a kind of... A joie de vivre? Yeah, a relief, a kind of a lightness. You sound lighter, you look lighter, almost as if, I don't want to presume... Presume, but almost presume. as if you were relieved of a six foot eleven, two hundred fifty pound mole, let's say, um, a, a pit and right wing the asshole of the world, yeah, and right wing puppet, um, Enos Freedom, yeah, and Dennis Schroeder, no longer your Boston Celtics. Enos Freedom. Can we take a moment and appreciate? Can you tell us a little of what the Enos Freedom experience was like for you? Uh, now, the there's, the Gulenis movement is now spreading deep into the heart of Texas. Is that is that correct? <laughs> is that what's happening here? Well, uh, looks, that's what it looks like. Well, he was waved. Can I just say that? Uh, oh, did they wave him? I missed that. He was waved, and right away, Clay Travis on his um conservative a uh-huh. show, I think, or a, what? The, already, the stories were breaking that Cantor that sorry, Freedom was waved. Because of his stance on China. Oh, that's got to be what it is. Yeah. Not because of his skills or game at all. I was talking to someone, uh, a friend on the Turkish left, who is very, very, you know, anti Gulenist, anti, very anti Ennis Freedom, obviously. As, so, yeah. as are we all. But I mean, in a very, in a way that, I mean, they've really, you know, borne the brunt of all the terrible things that have happened in, in Turkey for, well, over the last century. But, you know, in in, in particular, in, in recent decades, a lot of political violence and in recent years. And I was telling him, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I hate Ennis Freedom, not for his politics, but for his pick and roll defense. And he was like, <laughs> we'll take allies wherever we can get them. You know, whatever it is that makes you hate Ennis Freedom, Ennis Freedom. It's a star. Yeah. Do you know, at least Brad Stevens still calls him Ennis, Ennis Cantor. Cannot refer to him as Freedom, which uh, makes me, uh, you know, I appreciate. For that, I respect Brad Stevens a little bit. Brad Stevens is a good guy. All right. You know, he's a good person in his in his soul. He's a Buttigieg. He looks the part, but. He's not Buttigieg. That's so unfair. <laughs> you know, he's substance. He's not full of shit. Uh, you know, I. I I reject that characterization utterly and completely. I respect that. Uh, I, I, so I'm, I, some of my Celtics fan friends are very critical of that this trade in particular. Almost everyone feels good about the Derek White trade, particularly after his first couple of games. Maybe people are being reactive, but you can see the fit there. Uh, right. I'm excited about this trade because 
the the Celtics resurgence has been built on defensive mobility and rim protection more than anything else. And they are a defensive juggernaut right now. They're a nasty little defensive team. They are just crushing people. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. having a fourth big who uh, can is mobile, can protect the rim, but also guard yeah. up the pick and roll, right? Can handle switches. And, you know, uh, not, a, not against the best guards in the league, obviously. No one can, you know, at that. But who can, who can if Al Horford has to miss time, or or Robert Williams can slot in, can shoot a little bit. Now Daniel Tice is not shooting great from three, but he's got a little bit of range. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's just a nice, it, it it's a it's some a nice depth piece to have, right? My friend who is critical of the deal, who likes the Derek White trade for all that he does for his playmaking ability, mm-hmm. his ability to move the ball, his defense, is basically like this team needs shooting. Like every team, right? But particularly the Celtics right now. On the other hand, you know, it's the issue still is that Jason Tatum, especially, has shot way below his career averages. If he was anywhere near normal from outside, they would be, you know, pushing at the top of the East. And Mm -hmm. if he continues to shoot like this, they're fucked in the playoffs anyway. So what's the difference, right? You know, in other words, they just need the Jays to shoot better if they're going to go anywhere, and they need to play defense like this. I don't know if you saw that 538.com as the Celtics as their third favorite team to win the finals after the Bucks and the Suns. Did you see that? What? I think I sent you that. What? I think I'm pretty sure you I did. did. But I, you did, and I couldn't make sense of I was like, what am I looking for here? Um, yep. If they have the Celtics as the third, their, their whatever score. Was Bill Simmons like honorarily running five thirty eight at that point? Celtics have a, their net rating is the best in the East. They are they, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, the issue is that they had a lot of problems closing out games against inferior teams earlier in the season, right? But uh, they they are a team who, if you look at the underlying numbers, they look great. And it, I, I would say I don't think they can handle Philly. They're going to play Philly tomorrow night. Uh, right. You know, of course, Milwaukee would be favored against them. Uh, I'm not sure there's another team in the East who they would be terrified of. I, I'm just not convinced that an, there is another team in the Eastern Conference, not Cleveland or Chicago or certainly Miami, who. Yeah, yeah. Right. the Bucks, Bucks 20% to win. Suns tied with the Celtics at 16% just ahead of Denver. Yep. Ahead of Philadelphia. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you then, because you have not been delusional. The Celtics struggled for a while this year. Do you look at the team now and feel, how far do you think this Celtic team can go? Who knows? Uh, they're still a piece away. Uh, they need more shooting. Uh, they are, uh, if they stay healthy, they're they're just not a fun team to play against. And the defensive versatility and mobility and they just have they they're stacked with really good defensive players, and yeah. their rotations have improved. Their communication, they look connected defensively. They struggle often offensively, a lot of sloppiness, you know. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I they can defend, you know, one through five really, really well. Um, I, I I really like you know I like teams that have that identity. Of course, you know who doesn't. 
even the double bigs thing, which I was so skeptical of at the beginning of the season, the Horford Williams pairing has been really good. It's been good, you know. So uh, that that starting five has incredible numbers, and uh, yeah, and then they have some bench pieces who you gotta like. You gotta like Grant Williams, right? You know, and then Derek White uh, means that in, having Derek White instead of Schroeder means that they can play Peyton Pritchardson. I, you know, um, Peyton Pritchard, excuse me. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they lost Josh Richardson, but they can play uh, Peyton Pritchard, who hasn't been great, but, you know, shows some capacity to shoot the ball. Yeah, so I, it'll be interesting to see. They, they, they're thin on the wing behind the Jays. So, you know, that's the issue. But who knows? Who knows where they're going to go? Let me ask you a question. If it came down to the Celtics, Nets, Miami, and Philly in the East, who would you be rooting for? Who would you be rooting Sixers. against least? The Sixers. I don't hate the Sixers. Really? There's no hatred of the Sixers? Wow, interesting. Okay. They've never really done anything to me. Yeah. Um, and they were sometimes my kind of um, surrogate team against the Nets or the Lakers or the Celtics. I, I kind of like Philly. I love Embiid. I hate if the, the three, I mean, if you're talking Brooklyn, Boston, and um, Miami and Miami, who I all historically hate, I would root for the Celtics or the heat against the Nets. Wow. And if the Celtics played the heat, I would probably root for. Wow. This is tough. I'm interested to hear the answer here. Where do Knicks fans stand? So historically, I have rooted for the Celtics. The only teams I have rooted historically for the Celtics against have been the Lakers yeah. and the Heat. Um, you got to hate the Heat the most because of those 90s battles, right? Yeah, when, when the LeBron Heat would play the Celtics, I always rooted for the Celtics. Yep. When the Lakers got in the finals with the Celtics, I rooted for the Celtics. Mm. If the Celtics played the Heat... I would probably root for the Celtics. Um, Listen, you yeah. you you grab Alonzo Mourning's leg, and we'll bring him <laughs> down together. You know. You know what I just saw? Uh, um, where did I see it? It was a clip of oh Moses Malone. So the Athletic is doing this really great series of um, the top seventy-five players ever, and, and every weekday they release a little kind of essay on on the next person on the list. So they did Larry Bird. Larry Bird came at number seven. Will Chamberlain was number six. But when they did Moses Malone, who I think was around nine or ten, um, there's a clip of a fight when the yeah, yeah. Sixers... Yeah, yeah. Was it Charles Barkley and Doc sucker-punching Larry Bird? Bird no, getting no, 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 no. Oh. It wasn't the Celtics. It was... It was... It was the oh, I'm sorry. It was sorry. It doesn't involve the Sixers at all. You mentioned that Van Gundy morning thing, and I saw a a Pistons Bulls Rock. fight when oh. Charles Oakley was still a Bull, and Oakley went after Rick Mahorn fouled Michael Jordan very hard. Yeah, and Oakley's going after Rick Mahorn near the Pistons bench. I remember this. And for some reason, for some reason, Doug Collins, yeah. who was still a pretty young yeah, yeah. coach at the time. Very Doug athletic, Collins very energetic guy. Super very, energetic. Like, yeah. You could see for a coach, he was very enthusiastic and athletic. But 
for a human being, he was not Charles Oakley. No. And he went at Oakley. Like, he went at Oakley. And oh, Oakley no, no, no. He, he would have been on Oakley. He went at Mahorn, you mean. No. Doug Collins would have been on, on Oakley's. Doug Collins was the Bulls coach. Oh, he's trying to hold Oakley back, you're saying. I think so, but he went too aggressively. I see. And Oakley literally grabs him around the throat. Oh, and, like, throws that. him over the scorer's table. Wow. I will find you this video and send it to you. Find this. That's his coach. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Charles Oakley's just like, go. Yeah. I I saw uh, Charles Oakley on a cooking show the other day. He He's a very charismatic. He was doing he's cooking. He's, he's, he's had a restaurant for many years. He he just, he, he was very charismatic. It, I felt hungry. Afterwards, yeah. I I was, I'm like, this is a this is a man whose media career is going places. That that I'm convinced of that. Uh, I hope it is because he is continuing to destroy his remaining relationship with Nick fans. How his bizarre? He keeps he did it on the. There's a pod that Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson do. Yeah, and they had Oakley on the other day. Oakley cannot stop going after Patrick Ewing, and Oakley's claim in this interview was that. Basically suggesting that Ewing, Ewing got all the benefits of you know money and stats and accolades, but never won because he didn't want it enough or something, which no one has ever claimed Patrick Ewing didn't try hard enough. Nice. But I was happy at that point to go into Basketball Reference and put out a little tweet showing everybody what Charles Oakley's numbers look like in a half dozen elimination games with the Knicks. I can tell you in the 90s, that team did not lose because of Patrick Ewing, that team more likely lost games because Charles Oakley would get six points and six rebounds in 40 minutes. Um, he should shut the fuck up about Patrick Ewing. Really I, I, I really have heard really of it. it. It's too bad, too, because if it was just him against Dolan, everyone would be on his side, right? I mean, he would be... That's where it started. He didn't feel that Ewing backed him up. stood up for him. I see. Yeah. Um, By the way, Patrick Ewing, his Georgetown team, not great. He's in trouble. Not great. He's in trouble. Um, Zach Brazilier of the Post a week ago, flat out calling for Union, Ewing to be fired. I don't like that. I don't like when people do that, and especially yeah, to Patrick. I don't see Ewing. how like what a year ago they won the Big East tournament, and now you're going to fire him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not. Yeah. It's not great though this year. This is not the show to slander Patrick Ewing. Just, just so we all know. Cambridge Ringe in Latin. Cambridge Mike is Jarvis. a and I was going to yell that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway. Yeah. All right. So, we've done the Super Bowl. We've done the NBA. Just a little foreshadowing for some of you. We're going to do, in the near future, some episodes trying to look at specific ways in which money is impacting or changing sports. Um, I want to look at, we're going to look at gambling. We're going to look at ways it affects um, minor leaguers. Ways it affects fans, ways it affects cities, all kinds of things. Um, so keep an eye, eye out for that on Twitter. We'll be posting that from our Jacobin Sports Show Twitter site, which is at Jacobin Sports. Um, you can also email us at jacobinsports at gmail.com. Our producer, who puts the bees in bees' knees, is Connor Gillies. That's all for this episode. We will be back hopefully in a week um, to start talking more about some other stuff. Everybody take care. Goodbye.